Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Christine Kane. Christine Kane has a heart for reaching the lost and strengthening leadership. Along with her husband, Nick, she founded an anti-human trafficking organization, as well as Propel Women, an organization designed to celebrate women's passion, purpose, and potential. She is also an international speaker and author. And now, Christine Kane will reveal why you must reawaken to your God-given purpose, how God causes you to regain your passion, the power that's unleashed from operating in your calling, and much more. Let's dive into the message. You know, guys, it's so awesome. Nick and I absolutely love to travel. And so because of all of our work with A21, we get to be in Europe frequently. And one of the amazing things is all the huge cathedrals in Europe. And now when they built a building to house God, they kind of uh, knew how to build it. I mean, the domes are humongous. You walk in and the whole intention of a cathedral is that you feel small like we are. And God is huge like he is. So we were in Florence as suffering for Jesus. And so I went in and there was this huge cathedral. And I remember we were walking around and there was a staircase leading to the top of the dome where you could overlook the whole city. And so you had to pay five euros to go in and climb this staircase. So I said to Nick, you know, let's go. So we went up and there were these tiny little winding stairs. I mean, you're exhausted. You did all your step count on your watch for the whole year <laughs> as you kind of went up those stairs. And we got to the top and I remember when I got to the top, I looked around and I just saw there was uh, dozens and dozens of people everywhere and they were all taking photos. It was obviously the number one tourist attraction in the city. This was the place where in the city it said your best view of the whole of Florence is from the top of this cathedral. Now, when we've been walking around the bottom, it was stunning to me because the the whole church itself probably in its heyday would have sat about 6,000 people. I mean, it was a huge sanctuary. The artwork on the walls was literally priceless. Some of the most beautiful works of arts in Christendom, absolutely stunning. And then here we are at the top and now there's this huge dome, there's this beautiful city and what you've got is dozens of people with their camera out taking pictures of what is now the top tourist attraction in Florence. And I remember as I stood there, I just started to cry. And Nick kind of looked at me and he knows like, I'm not overly hormonal, you know, so that's like a little <laughs> bit odd. And he said, Christine, what's wrong? And I said, Nick, I cannot believe this. He said, what do you, what do you mean? I said, there are people here taking photos. This is the number one tourist attraction in the city. We paid five euros to get to the top of this steeple. I said, downstairs is a sanctuary that seats about 6,000 people. There's artwork that is priceless on the wall. Do you think the people that gave to the building of this church were giving to something that would become in a few hundred years the number one 
tourist attraction in the city. Do you think when they were giving to the building program, when they were putting the artwork on the walls, when they built a sanctuary, do you think they were building it so that people would come to faith in Christ, so that marriages would be restored, so that bodies would be healed, so that people would be developed in their faith? Do you think they were giving to that? Or they were saying, I'm going to give to build a church so that a couple of hundred years from now, it's going to become the biggest tourist attraction in all of the city. And I thought, what was once built as a huge cathedral to testify to the greatness of God right there in the middle of the city where church should be, right smack bang in the middle of the city, a place of light, a place of hope, has now become a dead empty monument, a tourist attraction to what God once did. And I remember saying to Nick, you know, I come from a church whose worship music, you know, is sung all around the world. How do I know? that 200 years from now, people are not going to come to Sydney, Australia and line up around our beautiful church building, which is a modern day cathedral. And they're not going to pay five euros to, well, they'll pay $5 if it's Australia, to, <laughs> to walk into a building that has now become a museum to what God did, where people say, oh, remember at that church where they used to line up around the building. Remember, that was the church where they made all this music that got sung all around the world. I said, in the same way that we have given to building programs so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go around the world, that's what these people did. And I realized right then, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Christine, this is what happens when the church stops being the church and the church starts doing church. When we bureaucratize, when we creedalize, when we institutionalize our Christianity, when we make our Christianity more about rules and regulations and form and ritual, rather than being in the world as the salt and the light of Christ, rather than being Christians, we start doing Christianity. And I am, while everyone's taking photos, I don't know what they must have thought about me, but I am crying. And I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, let that not be our testimony. Let that not be our legacy in our generation. Let us be a generation that is the church, not that we go and do church. That it's being followers of Jesus Christ in a lost and a broken world that we carry the light and the grace and the mercy and the truth and the justice and the love and the compassion of Christ into a lost and a broken world. And we do not reduce our Christianity to a bunch of rules and regulations because once something becomes ritualistic, once something just becomes built on rules, what you can do and what you can't do, then you lose all of your passion for your faith. I mean, I have two daughters, a 15-year-old and an 11-year-old. I remember when they were little. The surest way to get my little girl to do something I didn't want her to do was to tell her not to do it. Yeah. It's like you have this, this huge button, this big red button. And if all, all the time I would say to Sophia, don't push the red button, don't touch the red button, don't do You know, what is she going to do? Like anyone. Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to touch the red and I think a lot of times we've reduced our Christianity to don't do this and do this and here's 10 rules and here's five rules. And so people are like, you know what? There's no passion. There's no zeal. And as I travel around the world and truly for the last three decades of my life, 
people say, what do you do? I say, I do laps of the globe. And so I literally do taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to every continent on earth. And I realize we're in some places like Asia and South America and regions of Africa where the gospel is spreading like fire. And then I go into other parts of the Western world where you go, where is the passion? Where is the zeal? People are just kind of like, you know, I'm a boring moron. I'm a Christian. I'm socially dysfunctional. I'm beige. I have no personality and I've had a lobotomy and I'm a Christian. And so you kind of go, where is the passion? Now, I'm Greek. So I'm very passionate. We all know that. It's like I wake up out of, you know, out of my sleep like this, my poor husband. Um, I go to bed like this. People like go, Christine, tone it down. I go, I am. This is me in a coma. And so I try. Um, so, you know, Greeks are just highly passionate and it's just the way that we are. But I think what has hit a lot of the church, and maybe some of you watching this right now, is what I call a, a passion deficiency syndrome. Somewhere along the line, you used to be on fire for God. You used to have a passion for the things of God, but life happens. Discouragement happens, disappointment happens, disillusionment happens. And I think sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we just get weary and we get tired and we've lost our passion. Now, passion is an essential ingredient for our Christian faith. Now, do you notice when Mel Gibson made the movie, The Passion of the Christ, he did not call it the boring religious obligation of the Christ. <laughs> he called it the passion of the Christ. And you know, we, how many people saw the passion? That's right, all of us. And we're all so moved. And you, you're like, you have to brace yourself to watch it because it is just so painful when you realize what Jesus did for us. And after that movie was released, maybe it was about two or three weeks later, I was speaking at a church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we went to lunch with the pastors after this happened. And so after the service, and I remember turning up and I'm not normally starstruck, but as we sat down to lunch, I looked across the restaurant and Jim Caviezel was sitting across the restaurant. Now, this was just a few weeks after the movie. So I was already highly emotive. And I, I was so in awe, extremely inappropriately loudly. <laughs> I yelled at Nick. I went, oh my word, Nick, there's Jesus. <laughs> okay. Now, Nick sort of grabbed me and started stroking and said, sweetheart, you would think you might know the difference. Okay. That's, and I went, no, no, that's Jesus. The passion of the Christ, that's Jesus. And the man that was next to me was so embarrassed. He said, Christine, I know him and the person that's with him, would you like to meet him? I was like in awe, I get up and I'm like, I'm going to meet Jesus. I'm going to meet Jesus. And so we get to him, they take me to the table and I'm standing and he was sitting and we were the same height. And so he looks at me and, and my friend said to him, he didn't tell him what I did. He just said, uh, you know, Jim, this is my friend, Christine, and she's from Australia. And he just looked at me and all I could see was his eyes and I'm thinking, those eyes, they were in the movie and they mustn't have used filters because your eyes are just awesome. Anyway, so uh, this is happening. And he started to, to preach the gospel to me. And he started talking to me about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his redemption. I mean, he was so passionate. I did not have the heart to tell him I was a Christian. And I had already decided 15 minutes into this thing, if he was going to ask me to pray the sinner's prayer, I was on my knees. I was going to pray.
passion. There's a lot to be said about passion. And the final thing that Jesus Christ said to us before he ascended into heaven out of Matthew 28, 18 and 20, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It is astounding to me that Matthew's last recorded words of Jesus before Jesus ascended into heaven were these words. Last words are very important. If someone's doing a last will and testament, it's very important. The last thing someone says to you before they go, it's very important. The last thing you say to your kids before they go off to school or whichever, whatever it is, your, your spouse, you know, before they go off to, it's very important because it's the last thing that you remember. And I think a lot of us have lost our passion when it comes to the things of God is because we have no longer made Jesus's last commandment our first priority. Wow. And the day that we actually get back to understand the last thing Jesus asked us to do, it was not putting a boring religious obligation on us. If it is that important that Matthew listed it as the very last thing that Jesus, that it was worth Jesus taking a pit stop on earth before he went to heaven after he ascended from the dead to say, to us, go into all the world and make disciples. Perhaps that would be our primary purpose as Christians. And I wonder if as Christians, we've gotten away from our primary purpose. And when you get away from your primary purpose, you get away from your primary passion because passion fuels your purpose. And I think so many of us are out there trying to discover who our true selves is. I want to be my best self. And yet we're not even taking the Great Commission into the equation. We're not bringing it into the equation. And yet this commandment from Jesus was so important. He didn't just come to deliver it to the Navy SEAL elite Christians. That's just for the Chris Canes. That's just for the Joyce Myers. That's just for those people that are anointed. No, no, no. He said to all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, that after he was crucified on the cross, after he was separated from the Father and died for three days, rose again from the dead, instead of bypassing everything and going straight to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he took a pit stop here on earth. He walked amongst us and the final thing he said, he said, this is so important. I'm coming back from the dead and on the way back to my father in heaven, I'm going to tell you that I need you to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And somewhere along the line, we have said this is just for the elite Navy SEALs of the Christian church. This is just for the evangelists. This is not for every believer, but this mandate is given to every believer. And the purpose of our series together over the next couple of weeks is that we are going to talk about what it is to make Jesus's last command the church's first priority how we can go from no longer just doing church to actually being the church. When we get back on track with the purpose that Jesus has left us here on earth, 
then you will find fulfillment. You will find joy. You will find strength. And I think you will regain your passion. Some of you are watching this and you're sitting in your lounge room wondering why, why am I not passionate about the things of God? It's because you've gotten away from your primary purpose. And when you're away from your primary purpose, then you forego the passion that we are created to live with. You know, it is amazing when you're passionate what you will be able to do because you do what you want out of passion but you do what you have to when it's an obligation. And for many of us, our Christianity is an obligation. We just have to go through the motion. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to church I go. And I go to my little <laughs> church and I listen to my little sermonette and I do my little pirouette and then I just go home it. And so the point is that Jesus wants our Christian life to be way more than listen to a little sermon and just attending church once a week and just kind of going, I've done my obligation. He wants us to be the church, not to do church, but to be the church and to take this great gospel, this great news of Jesus Christ into a lost and a broken world. You'll do anything. I remember when I, I met my husband. Now, my husband is the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on planet Earth. He's pretty awesome. Sorry, girls is taken, but he is quite amazing. Well, we met at Bible school. Now, we were the same age, but Nick went to Bible school after me. And I was asked to go and do a relief lecture in the evangelism course this one day. And at our Bible college at the time now, you know, I was born when the dinosaurs were around. So this is now 23 years ago. Um, at our Bible school, there was a rule that students could not date each other. But there was no rule about students and teachers. And so when I went in to teach, um, my husband says this, he fell in love with the teacher. And so I walked in and I started doing a lecture on community-based evangelism and reaching the lost. And Nick decided then and there that he needed to have further consultation with the teacher because he wanted to learn all of a sudden much more information about community-based evangelism. And so he made all of these appointments uh, to come and see, see me. Well, anyway, the appointments eventually led to coffee and coffee eventually led to lunch. And lunch, you know, here we are 21 years later, married and two girls. So it's worth taking your teacher out is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and um, so in the, in the midst of all of that, uh, I remember during one of those early dates, Nick found out from my best friend Kylie that I swam at our local swimming pool every morning at six o'clock in the morning. Now, I had been doing this for a solid year. Never once in that solid year had I ever seen Nick down at the pool. But then all of a sudden, after that class, I would go to our local pool and there is Nick already doing laps up and down the pool before I got there. So after about a week, he accidentally on purpose came into my lane as I was swimming up the lane. And um, as I came in, he bumped into me and I went, oh, you know, Nick, what are you doing here? And he kind of got very, very defensive. He's like, what do you mean what am I doing here? I'm always here at six o'clock in the morning. I love swimming at six o'clock in the morning. It's my favorite fitness exercise. Well, all I want to say to you is I have now been married to Nick for over 21 years. So you can do the math, 21 times 365 plus one extra day every leap year. Okay, so we've been married for a lot of days. I want you to know that never once, not ever, 
Not once, not one morning in all of those days in 21 years has my husband ever got up at six o'clock in the morning to go swimming in any swimming pool. So what is my point? My point is you do what you want from passion. No one has to make you get up at six in the morning. No one has to make you get up and read your Bible. No one has to make you stay morally pure. No one has to make you obey the Word of God. No one has to make you go to church. No one has to make you tithe. No one has to make you be kind. No one has to make you be generous. No one has to make you be merciful. No one has to make you be forgiving. No one, no one has to make you be loving. No one has to make you be gracious. What we've done is we've turned our Christianity into something we have to make you, I have to do this because I'm Christian. And Jesus is saying, if you would get the passion of Christ back on the inside of you, then you no longer would have to be a Christian. You get to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And there is a big difference between have to and get to. And when you get to do something, it becomes a joy. It becomes a natural outflowing of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And there is too much have to in our Christianity. There is too much works based in our Christianity where I have to be good and I have to follow the Bible. But passion is the fuel that keeps us going. The, the Greek word is enthusiasm, en theos, in God. And you know what? When we are in God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, what is in us will flow out of us. We have a dark world. We have a desperate world. There is so much chaos. There is so much terror. There is so much crime and violence and heartache. There is so much torment and fear in the world around us. This is the time for the church to stop doing church and the time for the church to be the church. This is a time for us to step up and into a lost and a broken world and with a spirit of joy and with an enthusiasm that is enthused and infused with the Holy Spirit of God. We are to go ye into all the world and to make disciples and what is in us will come out of us. If the Holy Spirit is residing on the inside of us, then the fruit of the Spirit, His love, His joy, His peace, His kindness, His goodness, His long-suffering, His self-control is what flows out of us into a lost and a broken world. And then you change everything from, I just have to be a good nerdy Christian <laughs> to I get to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and a follower of Jesus. God does not want us as Christians to get saved and then just hang on until the rapture. I really don't know what I'm going to do. Hurry up, Jesus. I need the rapture. He wants us. He came that we might have life and life more abundant. God loves the world. God loves what he created. And he has called us as followers of Jesus to be stewards of the world. We are saved and called to go and to make disciples. So that means we have to have God's heartbeat for a lost and a broken world. I've called this lost and found because I think in many ways that some of us have lost our passion and we're about to find it in Christ. Some of us have lost our purpose and we're about to find it in Christ. Some of us are lost because we're not even in relationship with Christ and we're about to be found in Him and by Him and find our purpose through Him in a lost and a broken world. I want you to know our world is cray-cray. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed that. Our world is cray-cray, but just because everyone around you is going cray-cray doesn't mean you have to. When you and I understand our purpose and we are fueled with the passion of Christ for a lost and a broken world, we're going to stop running from the world.
and we're going to run to the world and we're going to bring the life and the hope and the love and the grace and the mercy and the truth and the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ into a lost and a broken world. He is the one you are looking for. He has found you even if you have yet not been found by him. Hang on, keep joining us because I know that you are going to find life and hope and truth and answers and purpose and passion in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Christine Kane. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.